So for anyone in the crowd who has ever been in a relationship, ever, you know this scenario. I really want to like you right now, and I want to be really having a good time, but you're being such a jerk that I just, I can really only hate you. We're back with another episode of the Valley Voices podcast. For New England Public Radio, I'm J. Kyle Sullivan. Here you'll find true stories told live at NEPR's Story Slams, held around our listening region every year. This month we're kicking off our third season, but first a look back on our Money, Money, Money Slam, held in March of 2016. Kenneth Harris takes us back to when he was showing his younger brother the ropes on his first day of work at the movie theater. So the Batman movie ended, and we're in the auditorium. I'm down by the big screen, sweeping, and Aaron was in the middle of the seating area, removing trash from cup holders. From the corner of my eye, he looked like frozen like he saw a ghost. And then with wide eyes, he held up a white, thick envelope and said, Giddy, I just found $3,000 in cash. It was on the floor underneath this seat. I better call the manager. I said, oh, no, you just hold on there. Freeze. I went up there to meet him, and sure enough, I saw this envelope with stacks of $100 bills just hanging out. I said, Aaron, this is our lucky day. According to policy and procedures, we're required to turn in wallets, jewelry, and pocketbooks to management. <laughs> this envelope don't fit that criteria. <laughs> then he said, but we have to do the right thing, Kenny. I said, Aaron, I'm not only your big brother, I'm employee of the month. You can trust me! And Aaron said, I don't know. This doesn't sound right. Maybe, maybe I better talk to the on-duty police officer in the lobby. And Aaron just left. Oh, no! He was gone. I chased after him like I was a kid chasing after an ice cream truck. This is the thanks I get for pulling strings for him. Of course, he met the cop in the lobby. He explained, I found this money. I want to turn it in. The police officer looked dumbstruck. He looked around and whispered, this money was abandoned. Why the hell won't you keep it? And Aaron was shocked. He rolled his eyes, and then he headed straight for the manager's office, where he beat on the door feverishly. I said, Aaron, stop! The manager opened the door and said, what's going on here? Aaron said, I found this money. I want to turn it in. The manager was speechless. He looked at the money, looked at me, and said, did you explain to your brother about the unwritten practice when it comes to discarded money? And Aaron said, this money was intentionally discarded. Ah! Then we heard screaming. It sounded like a woman. It sounded like someone was in labor. We looked behind us, and we saw this heavy-set woman. She was charging across the lobby like she was an NFL. <laughs> she went into the auditorium showing Batman. And Aaron and I looked at each other. We knew this was the customer who lost her money. So all of us, including the manager and the cop, followed her in there. In the middle of the seating area, she had her knees on a sticky ground looking for her money. Aaron hid the envelope behind his back. He approached her and asked her, can I help you? And with tears streaming down her face, she said, I just lost $3,000. It was in a white envelope. It was a down payment on a house. And Aaron said, calm down, relax. I found your money. Here it is. And then she snatched it. Then she counted the money. And when she was assured that everything was there, she left, just like that. No thank you, nothing. She was gone. 
And the cop and the manager followed her out of the theater, and they were telling her how happy they were that she recovered the money. Now, Aaron had no regret of turning over that money. I guess he was meant to find that money, because if I found it, <laughs> I would have found my way into a jail cell. <laughs> so um, that cop and that manager would have covered their own skins. So I, I guess Aaron did the right thing. And that night, I told Aaron that he was right and I was wrong. I said, tonight, you was the big brother, the good employee, not me. You did the right thing, and I am proud of you. And I shall look upon you like a Greek god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, before you leave tonight, check around your seat and area. Make sure you do not leave anything here. Please. Thank you. So no one left behind any envelopes of cash, but our audience that night did receive a pretty good tip from our next storyteller, Kevin Gallagher. There have been many times in my life when I have believed that social currency is actually more valuable than money. But never was that more true when a young man stuck a gun into my ribcage when I was on a romantic tropical vacation. So my partner Michael and I, we decided to avoid the whole gay marriage thing and just go for the gay honeymoon thing because it sort of seemed after like 25, 30 years, you don't need the marriage, just the honeymoon. So our criteria was sun, surf, sand, and sunsets. We just wanted to be someplace really warm in February. So we went to Puerto Rico. Really beautiful, highly recommend it to anyone who wants to go. It's a really fantastic place. And one night we decided to go into Old San Juan for dinner. So like most Spanish countries, the, uh, the old part of the city is a plaza, a square. And so when we arrived, it's pretty much all sort of souvenir shops and, and trinkets and bands. And the only restaurant we could find was a Hooters, um, which I'm not quite sure Hooters is ever romantic, but it's even less romantic if you're a gay couple on vacation, because it's like, mm, yeah, not really. And so, uh, so we thought, let's walk off sort of the beaten path a little bit and see if we can find a place that's a little more romantic. So for anyone in the crowd who has ever been in a relationship, ever, you know this scenario. I really want to like you right now, and I want to be really having a good time, but you're being such a jerk, and you're bugging me so much, that I just, I can really only hate you. I can only hate you. So I would look at a restaurant and I would say, oh, this place looks great. And Michael would say, ah, it's crowded. And then he would look at a place and he's like, oh my God, this place is beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, the menu doesn't have enough fish items on it. So we were so annoying to each other that we weren't even walking together on our tropical romantic vacation. He was about 20 feet in front of me. And so as we're walking happily down the street, 
this guy, kid actually, comes up to me and he, st and he asked me something in Spanish and I said, no habla espanol. And he kept talking to me and I said, I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish. And Michael turned around and did one of these. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, he's asking me a question, like directions or something. So as Michael's walking back to me, this kid pulls out a gun, sticks it into my rib cage, and says, give me all your money. So basically, I'm a very nice person, and I think I have some pretty good social skills. But this was so not the night that I was looking forward to. I don't like Michael. I don't like this kid who I tried to help, and now he wants to rob me. And so I just pushed his arm aside, and I started walking toward Michael, and I said, he's got this fake gun, and he wants to rob us. I said, let's just keep walking to the plaza, which is where all the people were. So there we are, Michael, me, and my friend, <laughs> walking sideways, walking down the street together. And we keep bickering. So Michael says, I don't really understand why you stopped to talk to somebody because you don't speak Spanish. And I said, I don't speak Spanish, but I didn't stop to talk to him. I was walking and he asked me a question and I stopped. And he said, I know, but why would you stop to talk to somebody that you don't speak their language? And why would you help them with directions? And I said, I don't know if he was asking for directions. I don't speak Spanish. It just sounded like directions. I said, you make this sound like this is my fault. And he said, oh, you think it's mine? So this kid could not get a word in edgewise. Like, at all. Or, or a gun in, edgewise. Like, he couldn't get anything edgewise. So we round the corner into the plaza where there are hundreds of people, and I thought we would lose him because he would get nervous. No, 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 it was Michael, me, and my friend. So we're walking, people are walking by us, joggers are going by, it's sort of like, okay, is there anyone noticing that we have a gun? And so I said, we need to, like, lose him. So I said, let's du duck into a bar. So we duck into this first bar that we see, and it's clearly a local's bar, and uh, very smoky, smells like stale beer. It's as though they dragged the needle across the record and the music stopped and a hundred eyes looked at us, and I said, we are better outside <laughs> than in here. So we go outside, my friend was still waiting because he knew he wouldn't probably last long in that bar. And we walk to another bar, we walk in, everything is okay. and. We're sitting there having a margarita, and Michael said, so how did you know the gun was fake? And I said, well, you can kind of tell a fake gun. And he said, I know, but like, what made you think it was fake? And I said, well, because it looked fake. And he said, have you ever seen a gun? And I said, well, not in person. <laughs> like, I mean, I've never actually seen a live gun ever. Of course, I'm talking to somebody who took hunter safety class in 10, when he was 10 years old. So I, I, I did feel for this kid because I sort of thought like, my God, you can't even get $10 from two middle-aged gay men. <laughs> like, this is, so I really, if I could give him some advice, I would say, could you focus more on your social currency and less on your robbery skills? Because that's where your future might be. Thanks. Kevin Gallagher from our Money, Money, Money Story Slam held in March of 2016. 
So that's it for this episode of the Valley Voices podcast. If you've got a story to share, head to our website and check the events tab for more info on how you can audition your first line for some of our story slams this season. And while you're there, take a look at some of our other podcasts like Jazz Beat with Tom Reaney or NEPR's News Now podcast, where Sam Hudzik takes us through some of the highlights coming out of our newsroom. And that's at NEPR.net slash podcasts. Come back at the end of January, where we'll share some of the stories from our upcoming Slippery Slope Story Slam, which is going to be at the Northampton Brewery later this month. That does it for the Valley Voices podcast. I'm J. Kyle Sullivan, and you're listening to New England Public Radio. Music.